The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Welcome to it, Midweek Editions here at Tail Varsity Radio. We're presented by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Hope you're doing all right. Bags are not yet packed, but they will be as I'm off to Spartan land. And Elijah will be joining for an incredible road trip early November. We'll be at Reno's in East Lansing tomorrow afternoon, the graduate in East Lansing on Friday, and then Spartan Stadium on Saturday. You're welcome to ride along with us as however you find the Hale Varsity Radio Show can do so many different ways. Hale Varsity Radio Network, of course, the Hale Varsity Radio YouTube channel, and the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed. Give that a follow at H Varsity Radio. You can find Elijah. On Twitter, while I get the roll call going, at Herbal Essence, at Schmidt underscore radio for me, and can always email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. A lot of fun today. We'll get into uh, Saturday a little bit further. We'll uh, talk a little bit more about that candy overdose that maybe some of your kids or grandkids have endured today. Uh, you know, there, there's been a lot of sweetness this week for Nebraska football. A lot of pats on the back, a lot of, hey, wow, awesome. And, and it is great, man. It hasn't happened for a while, so we're not thumbing our nose at it at all. But there's just been a lot of sweetness to start November. And uh, you know what? Uh, whether you liked Callahan or not, he had a great quote about a November to remember. Teams that are remembered perform in November. So we'll see if Nebraska is up for that challenge. Numbers to get in, 489-1240, 489-1240. And, uh, you know, the email, chris at hailvarsity.com. Mr. Husker football, Mike Babcock with us in 15 minutes. He's already in the green room. I love seeing Babbers there on the camera. And uh, Evan Bland will join us in hour two to get things kicked off. So Elijah... You know, I'm I'm interested here in what Nebraska is set to do, right? I mean, let, let's just reset this for a second, and that'll get us into Max Olson's really, really awesome column from The Athletic. I've had a chance to meet Max a couple times, super talented. And think about what Nebraska's been through as we have gotten to November, okay? Uh, your 0-2 start. Okay, uh, 19 turnovers to date. You, you've lost uh, one quarterback, two quarterbacks. You've had all three hurt. You've lost both running backs. And the other, at one point, starters had a fumbling problem. And here's your redshirt freshman named Emmett. Great running back name, by the way. You've lost three offensive linemen, three starters, and one of your top dudes on defense in Singleton, you hope you get him back. Oh, yeah, I have forgotten Billy Kemp, and that wasn't intentional. But let's just throw him on for good measure. All of that to say 
you found a way to navigate November. Did Nebraska play the best teams? No. Did they play the best offenses? Uh Uh-uh. That isn't their fault. They did what they needed to do. And to, to Max Olson's story, Elijah, it started out and it's been a progressive and steadying build on the defensive side of the ball. That was kind of the brick and mortar that Rule wants to build every football team with. And it's been a staple of his def- of, of his of his rebuilds, is having a, a really sound, solid defense with Tony White and uh, this Nebraska crew. And they've done it kind of the old-fashioned way. They've done it with kids that have been in the program. And the one kid that was in the starting 11 on Saturday that wasn't on the roster last season wasn't even a transfer. It was a true freshman in Prince William Amelin, which is just crazy to think about in this era of the transfer report whenever coaches, Deion Sanders being the one who comes first and foremost, but you can also think of Mel Tucker at Michigan State and a lot of people who've had that quick success since the transfer portal era has opened have been those guys that have gone and gotten some hits in the transfer portal. In Nebraska, their defense, the turnaround, it's been done with guys that were in the program to the tune of going undefeated in October for the first time in over 20 years. Mm-hmm. And I, I did some research before the show, Schmidt. Do you know the last time Nebraska was undefeated in the month of November? I think you got to go back to carry the one, 97? Mm, a little too far back. This was in the Big Ten era, and it was a year that Nebraska needed to win out in November to make so, it to the Big so Ten we're, title. we're going to go to 2012. There it is. Nebraska won out. Because uh, the month of November in 2012 before losing to Wisconsin in the Big Ten title game in that embarrassing game that we'd all like to forget. So they they had, yeah, that Ohio State game in 2012 was close for a while, and then Braxton Miller went off, and away we go, pour a drink, right? 63-38. to 38. Right, but scored enough points offense to win that game, and at one point it was a 17-14 to 14 game, I do believe, but... What do I know? That thing kind of flipped when Rex Burkhead went down with a knee injury. I, I, I think so. But Nebraska and their defense has been the reason, the run game, the necessity to assess what you have and go to some option football is something you have to also check off as to part of your success. What, what's been best on your offense this year has been your, your option game slash quarterback run and then some play action. But when you look at, at the stop rate, and that's what Max Olson detailed in the athletic column, and Brandon Vogel's done a really nice feature uh, in his uh, career with stop rates as well. But Nebraska's really kind of shot up the, uh, the, the ratings, uh, number 93 last year. And just to, to set it up for you what stop rate is, and that is, um, what does your defense do and how does the drive end? Stop rate is a drive that either ends with a punt, it ends with a turnover, or it ends with a turnover on downs. And Nebraska's, th- this is what's most impressive to me, and I, I don't have these numbers. Stop rate numbers are incredible. Uh, since Michigan, Nebraska's number four in the country. That's, that's big time. Uh, the other part of this, though, is I'd love to see how many defenses performed as well as Nebraska on sudden change situations. 
because to me that that is the story. Defense is getting off the field. Defense is doing a great job of tackling. Defense is doing a better job than in past years of getting to the quarterback, and they've been a little bit better at getting turnovers. They got a turnover against Illinois. They did a nice job of getting uh, a bevy of turnovers against Purdue. But when push comes to shove, what does your defense do? And they even did this early in the year. They did it in Colo- against Colorado. I mean, they came out and their sudden change response to hold the buffs to minimal points, a field goal. But some sometimes Colorado didn't get any points off any of the drives. At least the first half. Right. In the first, but my point being is Nebraska has been tested time and time again this year with a bleep sandwich, and uh, they have passed a lot of tests. They've really grown and, and learned from that Minnesota misstep to Final 205. Well, in 11 turnovers from the offense since the Michigan game, which, whew. Think about that. Whew. That's three games, 11 turnovers. Light, smoke it if you got it. <laughs> but on those 11 turnovers, which I think over half, that's off the top of my head, I think over half were on your own side of the field. You know, you know Northwestern was. Nebraska has allowed two touchdowns and two field goals. And, and Seven times after a turnover that Husker defense has gotten off the field so and not allowed points. Northwestern got one of the field goals. Mm-hmm. Purdue got one of the touchdowns. They, didn't they get both? Like, does a scoop and score count? Yeah. I mean, I th- the, you, you, that's your bar tab. You get charged for points, even if it's a defensive score. Just like before Brian got his pink slip yesterday, even if special teams or defense scored, it went in the offensive category <laughs> for, for points tallied. But Nebraska's sudden change defense has been just flat-out incredible with opposing field position. They have started off with short fields or in – plus territory time and time again. The stop rate at 87% for Nebraska. That's incredible. 22 points, 39 drives, and the three and out rate is right at 46%. If I'm going to nitpick on this Nebraska defense, third and 13, third and 10, third and 17, third and 15, that's that's the one thing you need to see get better. And Rule touched on it going into last weekend's game against Purdue. Uh, you need about seven to ten percent down arrow for third down conversion rate. And the third and longs have been a problem for the Nebraska defense this year, and it's been a problem all all season long. But for the most part, that that's all you can complain about. And, and really, you can't complain about much. It's it's been. Uh, just nuts. You look at the total points scored in Minnesota and Colorado, 49, 26 of those came off turnovers. And you've seen the defense just roll their sleeves up time and time again. The other thing that's interesting with this story when it comes to stop rates and where Nebraska's defense can, is, is continuing to ascend is how do you look at this with the conference? The top 10 in stop rates – are littered with Big Ten teams. Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State are your top three. Iowa's sixth. Rutgers is eighth. Make that ninth. Wisconsin is tenth. Nebraska's climbed all the way up to number 23 in the country off of 94 drives, uh, 72% stop rate. That's fan. That's nuts. Seven out of ten drives, boom. You, you are getting a punt. You're getting a turnover. They are not scoring on you. So 
are, are the defenses that elite in the Big Ten or are the offenses that bad, Elijah? Well, you look at who Nebraska's got this weekend. In Michigan yeah. State, who is averaging 18 points per game, which is among the, the three-game stretch. We've talked about how bad the offenses have been in the last three games. Mm-hmm. It's not like Nebraska is taking on somebody who is, you know, putting up 40 points a game and holding them to seven. It, it, it they're allowing 27, almost 28. Michigan State, though, is the worst of the teams Nebraska has played. Illinois was at 20.4 points per game. Michigan State's at 18. I know. 18 points per game. And, and you know, we say all this to let Nebraska know that they are – they, they, they're being noticed. They should be recognized. They should be noticed. But it, it's still, it, it's going to have to be as good or better in November. You, this is a dangerous game. Coach McBride's a thousand percent right. I, we'll get more into it this weekend or heading into the weekend. But there's always a game on the schedule where someone is fed up. They're sick and tired of being sick and tired. And they either scare you and, man, it's just another close loss in a string of forgettable moments in a season where it's, it's putrid. And right now that's Michigan State. Or, or a, a senior-laden class takes it out on somebody. And I don't know where I'm going to lean quite yet if Saturday's a – well, Sparty's going to fight like hell and then they'll go away. Or is it going to be a situation where, man, this season's been garbage. Our coach is gone. This isn't what I signed up for. Let's take it out on somebody. And I and I look back at, at Nebraska to keep it in with the Michigan State-Nebraska series. 2015. Now, Nebraska is not 2015 Michigan State, obviously. But that that class with Malik Collins and company – I mean, they, they ended up going to a bowl sub-500, but they had some close losses. They were frustrated, and they needed something good to happen. They found a way to win against a playoff team in Michigan State that cold November night. Uh, Brandon Riley was fantastic. Tommy Armstrong, two-minute drill. Nebraska came out with a great plan, did enough. But guys that had been through the ringer, they'd been through the, the Pelini departure, Here's Coach Riley, and they were, they had their take it out on somebody moment. They had their take it out on somebody game against Michigan State that springboarded Nebraska into a super sound finish, a tough loss to a really good Iowa team. But that's where I'm at with this. That's how I think Saturday may go, is it's going to be tooth and nail. Michigan State may score 18 a game on paper. They got a dual threat quarterback that's always been a, a could be a headache. They got a defense that may be opportunistic. And what we don't know, Elijah, is Nebraska at least fixed some of their ails, their ills with taking care of the football. They can get three yards of carry for all I care as long as they hang on to the football based on all the stop rate data we just threw out there. Oh, absolutely. I mean, your defense is the one that's leading the charge for this team. Matt Rule said it before. I guess he calls it a defense first team. He mm-hmm. wants to be careful with his with his words and the coach speak there. <laughs> Saturday is going to be a defense first game for Nebraska. Absolutely. Sure. The question is to me on senior day is is can you go out and punch Michigan State in the face and do they roll over when that happens? Because think about it. I mean you're you're going out there as a senior, you're running out of the tunnel and you're getting a hug from a coach that's coached you for four weeks. Mm-hmm. 
It's not who you signed up for, as you said. Is Michigan State ready to get the what's hell your, out of East What's Lansing, your give-a-crap level? Exactly. And that's the big unknown in this game. Because people remember the senior days for the rest of your life. And what's the give-a-crap level for, for Michigan State? Is it, I'm playing for a coach that's only been here for three weeks, he barely even knows my name, and I just want to get the hell out because this season's been a mess? Or is it going to be a playing for pride type moment where you see Nebraska across from you, they're on a hot streak, and you know, say, you're going to say, you know what, we want to go out there and prove a point. We're going to go out there and throw the first punch, and we're going to make Nebraska feel us. That's, that's the question to me. I lean more towards the, 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 the first they'll, and the they'll latter. Go, they'll go away. The streak is 5-1 and one versus 0-6. That's the heater or uh, <laughs> freezer both teams are on. Mike Babcock's on the way. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Wednesday edition, Hale Varsity Radio. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We welcome in Mr. Husker Football with Hale Varsity, Mike Babcock at MD Babs on Twitter. You want to be a part of Babbers' uh, bi weekly newsletter? Just send him an email, Mike B at HerdAtSports.com. The historical part, and then a preview of the matchup and what's going on around the world of Husker Nation. Babbers going to be a. Well, a fall-like setting in East Lansing. Checked in with a couple of folks in East Lansing. All the trees are, well, bare. Uh, this time of year, that's pretty common. But uh, apparently two weeks ago, it was pretty scenic. That's about the only thing worth watching uh, in East Lansing this season. It's been a tough go for Sparty. Yeah, it has been with uh, six losses in a row. And But, you know, the first of those six was against Washington. They're pretty good. Michigan is in- Michigan's included in those six. And then I know you can say what you want about Iowa, but Iowa was one of those uh, six losses as well. So it's, it's, it's not like they've lost to a, to a bunch of uh, questionable teams. There's some couple of pretty good ones in there. Um, but uh, yeah. And the thing that you look at, it's comparable to Nebraska going five and one and you build that confidence you know, game by game, the same thing can happen with a team that loses six in a row. You start to question, you know, if something can go wrong, it will kind of a mentality. And that, you know, that's part of what is difficult, I think, for Michigan State at this point, in addition to the fact that that offense is not overly imposing uh, against a Nebraska defense that's really good, as you pointed out. So, um, I, I would think that Nebraska would come away with a sixth win, qualify for bowl. Um, but as Matt Rule says, you got to go one and zero each week and not look beyond that. And I think that he's instilled that in the team, uh, the importance of the process rather than the expectation. Uh, so I think that gives Nebraska the advantage as well. Mike, one of the things that was interesting this week, and we hit on it a little bit on Monday, was Matt Rule unhappy with the defensive performance against Purdue on Saturday, despite the fact that really it was the offense's fault that points were given up in the first place. And that might be painting with a a broad brush on my part, but you think about the scoop and score and the offense setting up Purdue with a short field on the fumble. You could think that that Husker defense realistically could have pitched a shutout if the offense never stepped foot on the field. And with that in mind, Matt Rule unhappy with the defensive performance, and we kind of laid it out in the first segment just how dominant that Husker defense has been over the past couple weeks. Is this a game with 
Michigan State's offensive struggles being so noted that the defense could go out and single-handedly win? Uh, I think the defense could um, because, you know, it, Matt Rule's comments about the defense, I think, underscores that, what I said earlier about process rather than expectation. There are things that they want the team to do that they expect the team to do, the coaches do, and you don't see that. So you evaluate it, even though it's a win, you evaluate how the defense played. And there are certain things that in the process, they the, the, the defense didn't get done. But yeah, I think, the, I think the defense could go out against a team like Michigan State in the situation that it is right now and win that game for Nebraska. I think that's I think that's what this defense has become. And you know, one of the things maybe I'm guilty of this as much as uh, as other people, but it seems like no matter what Nebraska does, goes 5 and 1 and we're still looking for reasons to say, you know, this is there's there are questions here. You know, um and and that's how the the coaches evaluated, I guess the defensive play there, what they wanted to see from the defense and what they saw from the defense. Um, It's more than just the bottom line score, but that's the important thing. Long, long answer to a question. Yes. I think the defense can get the job done. Mike, it's okay to, to have questions and what's your feel with the, the, the fan base right now? Are they still tiptoeing a little bit with, I don't want to say going all in, but getting their their hopes up or ramping up the excitement, or have you felt like it's gonna it's continuing to to build? And I think just the the feedback we get, I think there's a whole dose of reality that Nebraska fans know too well with getting your hopes up and then things crashing. Uh, that said, I think there's some genuine optimism because of where. The team's at, and, and Nebraska fans know football. They've watched and they've seen the team get better. I think it's okay to still have questions, and I don't think anyone's rushing to crown this football team because of the turnovers or just their limited ability on offense, but I think there needs to be a pat on the back for clearly the defense, but also what they've managed to do on, on offense where at least there's been some big plays recently to to get you some points yeah uh, i think uh matt rule mentioned that on was it monday Mm -hmm. about plays of 10 yards or more um nebraska uh, leads a conference uh in in that statistic uh offensively the the thing that has impressed me as we continue to go through this is that matt rule and his staff are building a team that fits the Big Ten to be successful in the Big Ten. They're doing the kinds of things that you have to do, I think, to be successful in the Big Ten. It's different from the, you know, going back to the Scott Frost comment, you know, the Big Ten's going to have to adjust to us <laughs> uh, kind of thing. It did. It didn't happen, and it's not going to happen. You're, you're going to have to build a team – that plays the way the Big Ten requires. And I, now that's going to change next year with the addition of four 
four programs that are that are different probably than than Big Ten teams. But um, for right now, I think that it's being built in the right way, and I think that's reason for continued optimism. You know, really the blips probably occurred at the beginning of the season. You know, the Minnesota and and Colorado games. You know, there there are the blips. You figured probably you weren't going to beat Michigan. Um, but I understand, you know, people are probably looking, again, they're looking past the next game. They're looking at, well, Nebraska still has to go to Wisconsin and Nebraska has to finish up with Iowa. And we don't know what Maryland is. At one point, Maryland looked like a real uh, contender and, and now Maryland is uh, uh, starting to fade. That maybe in the situation that, we, that we're talking about, you know, um, that's where Maryland's going, but uh, yeah, you got to you may maintain that focus and and accept the rules approach is go one and zero each week. So it's Michigan State right now, get that done, and then you can be concerned about Maryland. Yeah, Mike, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head there. The the goal is to go one and zero every single week, and you don't look ahead to Maryland. It's also preached that mentality of one percent better every single day. So with some quick math, that would be just over 7% better between Purdue and Michigan State. And if that is the case... On third down stops. Well, that would be big. Right. That would be huge. (laughs) And Mike, if that is the case, if they are roughly 7% better, I think I'm waiting for that game where it feels comfortable from start to finish. And Nebraska almost had that performance against Purdue probably up until that scoop and score. You clinched up just a little bit whenever that happened and said, okay, let's see how this team responds. They do respond, but it wasn't comfortable all the way through. Do you think that is a a benchmark for success in Nebraska improving in a game against Michigan State with how their season has gone, that it's just comfortable from wire to wire and Husker fans are never all that worried? Or is that still too high a bar for where we're at in this Husker rebuild? I don't think that uh, Husker fans are comfortable yet. Um, but if you if you take the go 1-0 and and Nebraska wins this week, you know, now you've got six wins – and you're six of the last seven, what does that say about this team? It says it's doing the right things, getting the job done. So you, if, if you're six of the last seven and you're going to play Maryland, that changes the way you look at things, I think, um, because you have to accept the fact that, hey, these guys are getting the job done week in and week out. They're getting the job done. And uh, it starts with defense, but the offense does some things. Emmett Johnson has a 28-yard run to alleviate people's concerns, you know, at the end of the Purdue game. Um, I just think that it's the Michigan State game is an important game because it's the next one. Mike, as we wrap here, just a quick thought on how Saturday will go. Where do you think Nebraska – why do you think Nebraska can come out on top? Because of the defense – and I think that, uh, you know, uh, for example, uh, the more Emmett Johnson gets on the field and has an opportunity to play, the better off he's going to be. The more that Heinrich Harburg is on the field and has an opportunity to play, the better he's going to be. Um, I just think that uh, Nebraska is in a good position. I don't think Michigan State is in a good position. Senior day or not, frame of mind, it's tough when you've lost six in a row. Um, I think Nebraska has the advantage, and I, I don't think it's going to be a dramatic finish. I don't think it's going to come down to the end. But uh, 
you know, I'm often wrong about things. I, I don't think so. I'm going to, I'm going to say, that, but, uh, I'm gonna say know, Babber says it's going to be, like Babber says it's going to be okay to, to, to fire up the grill and, and pour a drink and relax in the fourth quarter. <laughs> so Mike, Bab- <laughs> Mike Babcock guarantee, baby. Mike, do you pop oh, yeah. the champagne yeah, if Nebraska gets to six? <laughs> this right. could be my last time on your show. Never, right? never, never, never. Mike, does six wins call for celebration? Are you popping the champagne on Saturday if Nebraska gets it done, or, or do you look ahead to Big Ten championship potential if Nebraska does get the win on Saturday? What side of that are you on in terms of what six wins means with about our last 30 seconds here? On the other side, I'm I'm six wins means you're getting ready for that three three game stretch at the end. You know, focus on that because there can be more than just being in a bowl game. Mm. Um, so yeah, six six wins, six of the last seven. But let's see how the last three go. No, big time, and and eat what's on your plate first in East Lansing, and see if you can get out of Dodge uh, with a win. Uh, tough place to play, tough place to win uh, for a lot of squads, not just Nebraska. Mike Babcock with Hale Varsity. Uh, send him an email. Get his bi-weekly newsletter covering all things Big Red. Mike B. at HerdAtSports.com. Babbers, fun to talk. We'll wave at you from East Lansing, all right? Safe travels. All right, there he is. Mike Babcock, good to spend time with him. Give him a, give him a follow as well. On Twitter at MD Babs. We'll get to your comments in the stream next segment here on Hail Varsity. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. Open phones here the rest of the hour 489 1240, 489 1240. The bowl projections are updated and out. The college football rankings are there. And, uh, yeah, you have more smoke around Harbaugh. That continues to be a story. And we never got to Dabo yesterday, but plenty more Nebraska to talk. 489 1240, 489-1240 or 800-825-5865. I love what, what Babbers was saying from a mentality standpoint where you, you have those questions in your head depending on how your season's gone. And it's what now right and that's been pretty prevalent on the nebraska sideline for a lot of years and what what is matt rule's mantra what's next and it's always all about how you look at it brennan is all sorts of fired up our friend from the black hills he went emoji on us we're going to try and decode this if you're watching the hail varsity youtube channel you can also see so we have Bambi. That means he has got his bow in hand. Corn mm-hmm. uh, is for Nebraska football. And what's that last thing? That's a turkey. Okay. So for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. I th- it looks like a box. It looks like a box. Now it's a turkey. Okay. I, uh, got a little, I need to zoom in. You need a reader uh, is what you need. I know. Crew is. So are you guys going to just go kill it down at Gibson's Saturday night after the game? Well, here's the thing. I've been in discussions. Because Elijah's, Elijah's taken on East Lansing and then the Windy City. Been on been in discussions with Stream Listener Crew. He is going to be in Chicago to watch the game of the century, Northwestern and Iowa at Wrigley Field. God we're, love we're, you, Crew. Where the unders are 29 and a half, the lowest total ever. There might be more drinks consumed by Crew than points scored by either team. Well, and I think if unless things have shifted around, Wrigley Field... You have, it's like uh, it's like 
playing backyard football or in the school schoolyard where because of the outfield wall you can only kick one way <laughs> don't and i know a couple years ago i'm not sure if so it's the losers this. losers truly have to walk well i don't know if it's still this case but it was a couple years ago they had the sidelines on the same side of the field yeah i mean it was it was totally and i love wrigley it just doesn't feel like there should be a football game there well, but anyway long story short I am making the roadie to East Lansing on Friday, 10 and a half hours to East Lansing. Going to do pregame and postgame from East Lansing, then directly following postgame, going to jog on over to Chicago for three hours and go see stream listener crew and a couple other buddies in the Windy City. You get that hour back, so I think that could involve a late night in Chicago and then finish the roadie back to Lincoln on Sunday. That is Elijah's plan for the weekend while Schmitty gets to kick his feet up on a flight. I'm going to be doing all the driving. Uh, Schmitty has been panhandling mama for (laughs) a long time to be able to go uh, fly, uh, but we're going to see our old boss Greg, and that'll be cool. And uh, of course, our dear friend Jack Ebling at Reno's East. So, if you're a Nebraska fan in Michigan, come see us at Reno's East. If you're a Nebraska fan, you get to town in East Lansing. We'll be at the Graduate Friday, and then uh, we're locked in Spartan Stadium on Saturday. Uh, Red Wine chimes in. He asks a question about tackling. It's good that they, I should say, he makes a statement about how rules handle in practice is. It's good they tackle in practice again. Absolutely it is, Red Wine. And uh, his worry level about Nebraska-Michigan State, it's not as high as it's been in past years. I'd be worried about Michigan State at home if we didn't have a defense. That defense has traveled. And Walter, just outside of Philadelphia, where he's born and raised, um, now, maybe he wasn't born and raised, but I was going a little fresh Prince of Bel-Air there. Uh, neutral site games suck. That's the word from from Walter. But Sparty's at minus seven turnover differential. Uh, Cutter says if Nebraska wins six on Saturday, I'll be a happier than a tick on a fat dog. I got a fat dog at home. And if you know anything about ticks in Nebraska, they were bad this year. And let me tell you what. Those ticks were happy on Bell. I, I know exactly where Cutter is coming from here. So this is a question, and it was taken off the bingo card earlier in the season. <laughs> Winnable. Remember that? And it, and it was it was not wrong to, to look at a team point and say, well, it's a winnable game. There's a lot of winnable and a lot of losable. Matt Rule was right, but Elijah says, look, hey, fellas, I think we can finally start using the word winnable again. This team has proven they have what it takes to scrap it out and get a win despite the competition so far. I'm optimistic. Very fair. And and I'm op- optimistic that this team can get to the finish line. Why? Because... They have learned from their mistakes, Elijah, at least defensively from those first two. I go back to that. And they've just accepted worst-case scenario is going to happen once, twice, three times a game. And Nebraska's went out and made their own plays defensively. There's a difference if if the offense you're, you're taking on screws up. Okay. And you, you kind of get gifted. Now, I'll say this. Purdue did drop some footballs. Coach McBride was right about that on Monday. But for the most part, Nebraska's making their own breaks on defense. They're, they're getting turnovers. They're getting after the quarterback. 
and they're stopping the run. Even if you, you get a good run, and I thought Purdue ran the ball pretty well early on, but then they shied away from it a little bit because of Maccabee's fumble. I mean, Nebraska's been very active. And what you love most is the fact there's eight red jerseys or at least eight red pants on the road around said ball carrier. There's going to maybe be a, a initial missed tackle, but they ain't going to get by two, three, four. And, and the, the big difference with the defense, it, yeah, it's the tackling, it's the little stuff, it, it's the way they fly around, but the big difference that I note between years prior and this year is the fact that when the cards are stacked against this defense and really the team as a whole, when the going gets tough, this team starts playing their best football. Mm -hmm. Whenever you're down, backed up in the shadow of your own goal line in Illinois' first drive, that's when you make a stand and you play your your best football. Whenever Nebraska's offense repeatedly turns it over against Northwestern and against Purdue, you bow up and you hold them to three or you hold them to none or... Late you get a blocked you get field touchdown. goal and you return it for a touchdown. Exactly. I mean, that's that's crap that would happen to Nebraska, mm-hmm. right? And and whenever this team is in those situations, they play their best football, and that's why I think every single game left on the schedule is winnable. Because whenever your team plays its best football, whenever the adversity strikes, you're going to be in every game you play. Well, think of the offense gets their stuff together uh, yeah. beyond a few big plays or two. Who's with us? We go to Dave on the phone line. Dave, welcome in. Go ahead. I'm wondering what I need to get Coach Matt Rule for Christmas because, let uh, you know, we finally have a football coach that I think has shown so far pretty good at, at, at figuring out what, ta- what talent is, what to do with the talent, developing that talent, and not going as far as maybe a football coach in Michigan, but he's willing to do whatever it takes <laughs> to make this football program a winner. And so any suggestions for what we should get Matt Rule for Christmas? Because I think he's making a lot of Husker fans pretty happy if we've got a bowl game maybe around Christmas. How about a transfer portal quarterback, Dave? I think a quarterback option would be good. (laughs) And I also think, Dave, thanks for the phone call, brother. We're up against a a tough break here. But uh, more money, not for him, but for his defensive coordinator. Or this the tried and true some cookies. Yeah. Everyone loves cookies on Christmas. Sure. Cookies is good. <laughs> How about a uh, two-inch New York strip, right? Husker beef. Hour one almost finished. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Be sure to get the podcast for Hale Varsity Radio. We're powered by Cornhead Loggers, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and Spotify, iTunes, Google Play is where you go to get the podcast. You want the video? It's all right. You can go to the Hale Varsity YouTube channel, catch us live, or rewind it on the Hale Varsity uh, Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio. Reminder to get buckled up. Use your seatbelt. It saves lives. It prevents injuries only if properly worn. Buckle up. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Email to get to chris at hailvarsity.com. So this is uh, pretty good. This is from Sean in Phelps County. He's in a cornfield. Sean, thanks for what you do. Growing all the, the goodies in the state with uh, with your field and, and your harvest and uh, providing food for everybody. That is assuming he's there intentionally, not just lost. No, he's not lost. Uh, (laughs) Sean in Phelps County in a cornfield. There's there's some crazy mazes this time of year. There is. There's also the urban legend about Devaney in a cornfield near Columbus. (laughs) 
<laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> I've heard that one before. You've heard that one too? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Follow me. I'm driving. I <laughs> uh, will tell you uh, the uh, Hale Varsity after dark. Um, okay. So, in regards to Todd, and we love Todd the listener as well. He always loves to throw arrows at me, and it's okay. I deserve some of them. In regards to Todd and his state-sanctioned arm wrestling table in his garage. I'm with you in the stocking hat wearing. Try working on a combine outside at 5 o'clock in the morning in this weather when uh, when we've been having, uh, without having a stocking hat on, it doesn't work. Now, if you wear a giant female costume for Halloween... Like, yeah, I have to censor. Like some protesters do in New York, then you may have manhood issues. So the point of this is, Sean, is like, keep up the good work. Uh, your manhood is fine. Because I was, I was called into question. Well, it's, it's even more impressive. When I, I, was, I was a wuss. Uh, Todd thinks I'm a wuss, and that's fine. Well, he's, well, he's an arm wrestling champion. He well, can think I'm a wuss. One thing people don't understand about Schmitty, and if you're listening locally, maybe you'll understand this. If you're listening from elsewhere in podcast, Schmitty, every single morning, you have the, the, the KO4 morning show, news talk. You're in there at 5 a.m. And not only are you in there bearing, I mean, braving the elements, you're doing it with a stocking cap on because Carol, she's got her space heater in there and she cranks that thing up to 85. And it's honestly- It feels great. It's more impressive the fact that you're wearing a stocking cap in an 85 degree studio than to be wearing it outside. That might be even more difficult. It, you know, and it- You might it be the toughest to, of the bunch. It has to happen. Uh, cold or or heat, I, I will survive. Uh, to, to the chagrin of some. But, <laughs> hey, uh, appreciate the kind email. <laughs> I, I will not protest, and I did not go as uh, a suggested uh, Halloween costume. So, no, I'm I'm comfortable. And, uh, you know, someday we'll, we'll have a beer with Todd. He'll uh, make it out to the Hurt At Sports Bar and Grill and come see us. Or we'll just have to go visit Todd uh, around the Omaha region. It'd be good. He's, he's you know, and, and same with, uh, we need a Phelps County road trip. I still want to hit that, the, hit a, a bar in a small town in every county in Nebraska. We do. We need to do all of them. That, that sounds like a couple year project, but that'd be a lot of fun. I think it'd be a summer project. I think we could get it done. Hell of a summer. During the summer. We need to think about that. We'll, uh, we'll take a suggestion from Evan Bland. What small town Nebraska bar should we hit? Evan Bland's next. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Back with you, Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio. Cornhead Lager powering Hale Varsity Radio. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Get to more of your comments in the stream yard. Can always watch the show, the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Subscribe to Hale Varsity YouTube channel. All sorts of great content there. The Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio. Give that a follow and read this dude, Evan Bland with the Omaha World Herald at Evan Bland OWH. That's where you find him on Twitter. Evan, what's uh, shaking, man? How's your week? Thanks for the time. 
Yeah, doing all right. You know, embracing, uh, getting ready to embrace the time change and uh, some meaningful November football. Can't complain. How about that? And and that is something Elijah and I've touched on a little bit, but but more so the reality of it. Did you ever imagine that it would take as long as it's taken? And I'm not trying to put cart before horse. It's go one and no. I totally understand that. But I mean, November matters, and it hasn't mattered around here. I mean, Nebraska's been in contention, kind of, sort of, with some help in 2016 and then 2012 and then 2014, but it's always been you're trying to finish second or third in the in the, the division with some some really crazy help, and it didn't matter anyway because you didn't finish November out the right way with the Wisconsin-Iowa-Minnesota uh, triumvirate. So this is going to be super impressive, but it's it's step one, Evan, for for Nebraska, and it feels like you know another pretty pretty tight test for Nebraska on Saturday. Yeah, I mean it's kind of the theme that we've seen the last few games, which is you know Nebraska working to uh, stop shooting itself in the foot and facing opponents who are really limited offensively have some uh, ability defensively, but you're just kind of expecting these low-scoring, you know, first-20 wins sort of uh, affairs. And that's how I think it will shape up with Michigan State, too. I mean, uh, that's a program over there that, you know, two years ago was highly ranked, had their coach signed to a long-term deal, and now – uh, they're kind of playing out the string. Uh, six losses in a row. You listen to some of their players talk to the media out there in East Lansing, and it it's awfully reminiscent of what it was like here in Lincoln a year ago. And now you've got a situation where Nebraska is uh, one of the, the, the better feel-good stories, certainly in the Big Ten, um, getting to that point nationally. And uh, it's just, it'll be fascinating, I think, to see what Michigan State's mentality is for this particular game it's it's i guess their senior day um they don't know where they're going to be in a month uh, in terms of who their head coach is or if they'll be uh you know guys going into the portal or whatever so it feels like a game where even more so than the last few uh a strong start would behoove nebraska just because again these uh, these guys on the other side if you fall behind um 14 to nothing being michigan state like it's going to be hard maybe to conjure up some of the enthusiasm to come back. Whereas if Nebraska does what it's done in some of these recent games, putting the ball on the turf, uh, giving, giving away the ball uh, on offense, suddenly maybe that uh, can spark some things on the other side. So I think even more, as much emphasis as Nebraska puts on the fourth quarter, I think the first quarter is going to be really interesting on Saturday. It's Evan Bland with us here from the Omaha World Herald, Hale Varsity Radio, talking Nebraska and Michigan State and Evan, we're not Vegas, but I do want to go to Vegas here for just a second because they have the line, as it stands right now, set at three points for Nebraska. I think earlier in the week it was three and a half. It's moved back Michigan State's way to three points. How does that line strike you? Is that about right? Too much? Too too little? It's, it's one of those lines that I'm struggling to get a read on because Nebraska is on the road, and the fact that you're a road favorite means something, but this is a Michigan State team that's spiraling, and it almost feels like three isn't enough. Yeah, that's kind of my first gut reaction, too. I thought it would be, you know, six and a half, something like that. Uh, I think that speaks really more to how Vegas views Nebraska than it does 
Michigan State at this point. I still think there's some hesitation nationally that Nebraska can get out of its own way. And even on this three-game win streak, uh, you know, they, they haven't really always been able to do that, especially on the offensive side. So, like, there's absolutely a scenario where Nebraska holds onto the ball. Um, you know, they get a couple explosive plays. They pick their spots in the passing game, and they win, you know, by, by 20 points. Like, I could see that scenario playing out. But I think you also are at that point in the season now, two-thirds of the way in, where there's a little bit of that element of you, you kind of are what you are. And what Nebraska is has been a team that has struggled to take care of the football and one that really until last week against Purdue hasn't had a ton of track record of, of getting takeaways defensively uh, at meaningful points in the game. So I think that's sort of the line of thinking that would, would handicap Nebraska uh, in a game like this, because I do think if Nebraska played a, ple- a clean game, just given the trajectory of where that program is relative to what Michigan State's is, uh, it's one that Nebraska could could pull away in. And um, you know, I, I don't think that this is a team in Nebraska that's dwelling on uh, the bowl streak and, and getting that uh, drought ended. But you never know. Like sometimes these these games can uh, have a way of, of bringing out that line of thinking, too. So I think it'll be bigger. Honestly, I would pick Nebraska to win by more or to cover um, what Vegas would have out there, but I guess we'll see. Evan, you talked about Nebraska being what they are at this point in the season. You kind of laid out the turnover issue. Which side of the coin are you on with the Husker defense? Are you on the side that you're confident they can continue to keep up the performances in those swing moments? Nebraska's offense turns it over, and they've been able to get off the field or at least hold the opponent to three points or – are you of the opinion that there's going to be some regression to the mean at some point this year, and maybe Saturday is the day that happens where the turnovers do, in fact, end up biting Nebraska and, and leading to points for the other team? Which side of that coin are you on? The defense, that should be what's expected of them, or you should expect some regression back to the mean of college football and, and turnovers really hurting a team? Well, I know that the, the, the defense would tell you that they expect to have those uh, level of takeaways, and I think – if they do regress to the mean, I don't know that it will be this week because, again, you look at what Michigan State has. They've started two different quarterbacks. They benched their, their second one in favor of a true freshman last week, so that's absolutely a position that they're still working through. I think they have the most interceptions thrown uh, in the Big Ten, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they're they're depleted at running back. They have a, a, a UConn transfer by the name of Nate Carter who has been pretty good for them, but I think his – ideal situation would be sort of a change of pace back and he's been pressed into more of a feature role and so i think there are a lot of uh avenues to to seeing where nebraska would be able to force some takeaways on saturday and then you know on the offensive side like that's that's been a major topic of conversation certainly this week from matt rule and marcus satterfield the oc uh about the five points of ball security and how you go about that um i i think maybe the one thing that can come into play there is you spend so much time talking about it and thinking about it that it, it, it does kind of get in your head to where you're trying not to do something as opposed to uh, just kind of letting that training take over. But assuming um, you know that, that emphasis of ball security and practice carries over into the game, um, maybe this is one of those rare games this year when Nebraska has a positive turnover differential, and I think if that's the case, uh, you know, that's, something, that, that's a game that they'll probably have in hand by the fourth quarter. Evan Bland with us here on Hale Varsity. Evan, we were talking to Searles yesterday, and and he kind of laid out something that was really pretty important, and he has kind of lived by this when he's 
analyze different teams with you learn how to practice and then you learn how to win and then you handle winning and then you're you're ready to go compete for a championship uh, Nebraska has learned how to practice under Matt Rule. They, they've gotten the kids ready for Saturday. Uh, they've had some wins. Now, Saturday to me is a lot about handling success. Uh, Three-game win streak, while there's not parades being thrown, there's, uh, there's a smile now for Nebraska fans. That's big. But Saturday to me is about a lot about maturity with this Nebraska football team. And I think that Rule and his staff will kind of, you know, squeeze down on the kids so they don't feel too good about themselves. That said, you still need it to be player-led. Do you worry about Nebraska getting too big ahead? Yeah. You know, I, I felt like if they were going to have a letdown that it would have been last week. Like, I, that was the one to me where it was like, hey, you know, you're still at home. You're going to be hearing a lot of praise from a lot of places and you got a Purdue Purdue team coming in that's that had its moments in the in the last couple months, and you know Nebraska played far from a perfect game and was still able to take that thing, uh, you know, down the stretch. And so, I mean, I I kind of it's weird to think, but I kind of feel like confident that Nebraska is kind of is handling this thing. Like you listen, probably listen to. I don't know, eight to ten players between postgame uh, from Purdue last week to what we talked with them this week. And, like, nobody's uh, nobody's talking about, like, the implications in the West. Nobody's talking about bowl games. Like, Matt Rule has them so dialed in on the process that, like, there's just no room to, to entertain anything else. Like, you know, you win, but it's all about the tape, and it's about, well, what can we do better? And, hey, we, we can build on this. And, like, it just feels different from what we've seen from past Nebraska teams that maybe have gotten caught up in some of the external stuff um, that they are uh, locked in on what they're doing. And I think going on the road this week to East Lansing, it's an 11 a.m. kick. There's probably not going to be a ton of energy in that stadium from their fans. Like, I think that all kind of continues to play into it where, um, you know, Nebraska's enthusiastic about getting better. We've seen that uh, the last few weeks. We've heard about it from what they've done in practice. And it just kind of feels like the culture is, is set into the point to where it's maybe not as much of a worry as it was in past years that they're locked in and ready to go. I, I kind of feel like they will be. It's Evan Bland with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Evan, open-ended question here. Nebraska wins on Saturday if dot, dot, dot. Nebraska wins on Saturday if they continue to execute the blueprint that they've done the last three games. Like, I think it's – I don't think you go – too far away from that. I think you, you you pound the ball on the ground on offense. You pick your spots in the passing game. If you can connect on a couple of those option passes deep, you know, Michigan State is susceptible to that in their secondary, which is also young and injury-riddled right now. And then defensively, lean on the black shirts. And whether that results in uh, you know a few takeaways or just a pile of punts, um, I, I think that's going to be enough against the Michigan State offense that's barely averaging 11 points during this six-game losing streak. Um, and then uh, from special teams, if you can get a little bit of field position, you, you let Brian Buschini do his thing. Tristan Alvano has been um, you know, more consistent here these last handful of games. So I think that's what it is, is you, you, you rely on that blueprint. And you know, the other thing I would say is I think it's kind of ironic 
in in the sense that you know Matt Rule and Marcus Satterfield are running an offense right now that they don't necessarily plan to execute long term or to keep around into the future, and yet they're still building an identity around it to the point to where I think every week you can say this is what Nebraska needs to do to win. And I think the players, uh, you know, over this last month with the positive results that they've had are leaning into that. So I think it's it's more of the same. And if you can cut down on the mistakes that they've, uh, you know, committed in recent weeks, um, you know, maybe that'll even take away some of the drama late. Evan, uh, Evan about 90 seconds here. What's your take on Nebraska's punt return game on Saturday. Do you think that is a shot in the arm uh, for a team that uh, will take any help or advantage when it comes to field position or points? Yeah, it's something they're working on. I'm not sure who they'll put back there. They've mentioned freshman Ethan Nation as a possibility. Alex Bullock was the guy last week, so maybe you coach him up a little bit more. Um, you know, it's possible that uh, Billy Kemp could be back in a couple of weeks. So it's more of it seems like it's more of a stopgap sort of situation than anything else. But really, I think you just need to find somebody who's sure-handed and can catch the ball. The one thing you can't have is to have that thing bounce at the twenty and then roll down to the five or the four or something like that. Uh, you find somebody who's sure-handed can handle that thing back there. I think it's it's established at this point. Nebraska is not going to be a dynamic punt return team but just don't lose those hidden yards on the back end and help your offense that way evan before we get you out of here another episode of the rewind series drops tonight and in recent weeks we've heard if we die we die we've heard the leash is off we've heard you're embarrassing yourself in front of your family do you think we get any sort of big matt rule speeches tonight and if so what do we hear (laughs) yeah i don't know that's that's part of the fun he comes up with something different every week uh whoever's writing for him, uh, if, even if it's his own brain. that's uh, It's awfully impressive to come up with stuff like that. Um, I don't know. He, he finds a way, man, every time, whether it's uh, pregame speeches or Halloween costumes or, or whatever. Um, he brings the juice every day, and it's, it's a big part of why Nebraska is where it is. He has my uh, permission to threaten the next guy who fumbles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I want a halftime speech where it is all – nothing but bleeps because oh here's a 78th consecutive fumble at uh, the 20-yard line defense go out there just get a three and out and have him <laughs> miss the field goal i'd lose my mind i would absolutely <laughs> lose my mind evan uh you headed up to east lansing then bud yeah heading out early friday so i'm gonna be a zombie friday afternoon but be ready to roll by saturday all right well uh, you need a cocktail let me know all right sounds great <laughs> thanks bud take care good to spend time with evan bland omaha world herald at evan bland owh so where you find him on twitter good uh, rundown there open phones here next segment want to jump in you're welcome to do it but we'll get back into that handling success element and and also uh, where Nebraska's at as a as a squad. Mentally, you feel okay. Physically, they got to take care of the football. Uh, but uh, there's a lot out there. Also, the college football rankings. Hail Varsity Radio is live. Now, back to Schmitty. Schmitty's a great guy, but he don't have a brain. And Elijah. You want me to speak? When I point you, yeah. On Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Cornhead Lager. More of your comments in the stream. Also, open phones, 489-1240. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. 
So um, you, you have Eat Beef suggesting a, uh, a gift for Matt Rule. We'll just let you read that in the stream. And um, it's some sort of uh, entertainment. <laughs> That's one way to put it. Right? It's some, some way to, to, to spend your, your singles. Um, Scott chimes in. He loves that the young guys can play, can hit. They've done a nice job of evaluating and recruiting. Princewell's a guy that they felt good about, they've talked about, and they've seen perform. Uh, Dion has a good point here, and you look at Nebraska's recruiting class, you feel good about it, but you don't feel good about is Nebraska's arguably top defensive tackle prospect is getting sniffed now by Ohio State. You just saw their top running back uh, verbal commit open his recruitment up, and uh, Alabama's gotten closer. Ole Miss looks good. Florida looks pretty hot uh, with where Nebraska – had seemed to have some guys secured, uh, maybe not the case on one side of the ball defensively and offensively. So we'll see, but that just kind of speaks to rules evaluation, and that's what Dion's point was. Uh, so uh, Walter uh, is going to have a good Saturday, one way or the other, win or lose. We drink booze. So that's Walter's take from just outside Philadelphia. And, you know, Raggy, Justin Raggy chimes in and touches on some of the traits of a, and personality. That's, that's what a lot of players say, that you take on the personality of your head coach, and that happens in healthy relationships. Rule's been adamant from the get-go to get to know the guys. He's been adamant about the position coaches to get to know the guys, and that helps you coach them, that allows you to know how to coach him and then in turn all right this guy's just not here for him he's here for us so guess what i'm going to perform to the best of my ability for him it's it's rules got good x's and o's rules got great experience at all different positions around the college football world and in the nfl but his best trait is communication and connecting and motivating and, and he's been able to motivate. I can't wait to see the GB Rewind tonight because, Elijah, you nailed it. You laid out what's what's next for, for Nebraska. There's always been some sort of halftime or pregame or catchphrase. Uh, DCK is weighing in on Harburg. HH will give 100%. Uh, totally agree with that. Need to take care of him with the calls. And I think they are uh, doing all right with some of the play calls. Now, there was a big question, you know, why are you running the nap on option play after where the fumble happened right after he got smoked? The coach's response is, well, don't go get smoked, right? I mean, that's totally good. Uh, Nichols, Stephen Nichols chimes in. Stephen, good to hear from you, bud. I don't know what you did. Maybe he just doesn't like the mustache, but I volunteer Elijah to be the Tuesday practice tackling dummy. Uh, I don't think you want any of, of one Elijah Herbal. I'll do it. And I'd do it. You were uh, an all-city performer at left tackle. No, that's that's the price I'd be willing to pay for the inside information at practice. You want me to be a tackling dummy at practice? As long as I get to come on the air and give you what I saw at practice, I will I will put my body on the line for this job. Look Shitty. at you. Look at you. I like that. Who's on the horn? Danny's on the line. Danny, thanks for calling. Welcome into Hale Varsity. Go ahead. Hey, Chris. No, it's uh, Ryan John. Oh, I think it's Danny. 
That's no, that's 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 no, a Brooklyn Bridge uh, type leap. But go ahead, welcome in. Hey, Thanks for calling. Hey, I'll, go ahead, Elijah. What? No, I was gonna say I'll volunteer to be a tackle dummy with you. I mean, hey, hey, I think it sounds like a good idea. You and me going and being tackling dummy. It's the inside information. Like it's 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 worth it, in my opinion. All 150 pounds soaking wet of me. <laughs> um, hey, no, I just wanted to chime in and uh, uh, you know talk a little bit about you know we uh, big focus on defense this week. You know whether they came out. You know, Rule made those comments on Monday, um, but you know just being from South Dakota. I just got to shout out my boy Nash Hutchmaker. Mm-hmm. I I got a buddy that actually coached against them in high school, and he said from a coach's level that he's one of the most talented uh, linemen that he's ever coached against. Um, and that's just saying something where we come on our defense, and they're just fun to watch, man. And Chris, uh, thanks thanks for everything. Um, Long time listener, always will be. Right, well, I appreciate you. You got to come visit us at Single Barrel again. I, I do, I do, but you know, I, I was gonna make a comment about stocking caps today with Chris, but I know that's a sore subject. But you know, <laughs> talking about manly stuff, I can. You know, how was that season for you this summer, Chris? No, it was it was incredible, Ryan. It's awesome to hear from you, brother. That seasoning's gone, <laughs> but it was it was awesome uh, on the grill, and and I loved it, and appreciate hearing from you. And yeah, the stocking hat thing, I can take the uh, the heat on it. And uh, I'm not outside long enough, but, you know, I, I totally respect those that, that are and do. And uh, my uh, my cousin Shane had a, a ranch. It was a buffalo ranch in Brady. And one time I got to do some, some real outdoor work beyond the old paper route. And, uh, yeah, it, I, it, I am not tough enough to do it Monday through Sunday. Uh, so there we go. Um, Ryan, thanks for the phone call, man. Appreciate you chiming in. Uh, for it. All right. We'll uh, hopefully see Ryan at the single barrel when we're back there from Maryland. Yeah. And one of the concerns that I have now with me going and being in t- a tackling dummy is I'm clearly a fumble risk with how I fumbled his name there. Yeah, that was odd. So I don't think I've ever done that before. That's so okay. We're good. Out to Ryan. So Sean chimed in in a voice of support with his email, chris at hailvarsity.com, in reference to Todd banging on me for wearing a stocking hat yesterday when it was 35 degrees. And Todd responded to the previous email from Sean. Maybe we can have the 2023 November football truce where Todd uh, sits down with Sean. They have a beer and it's okay. But but maybe not because Todd writes in, did I just hear some broke farmer... Attempt to call me out on something. I hate phone calls, but that's one I will answer. (laughs) I work outside all day on a garbage truck, so I know when it's actually cold. I can't stand fragile humans. (laughs) Todd, can I say thank you for putting periods with your writing now? I appreciate that. It was one message that Todd did not want me to botch on a cold read. I like how this started out as being Todd having a problem with you wearing a stocking cap, and now we got full-blown beef between Sean and Todd. We're just the middlemen at this point. Well, and, and, and Todd going with the broke farmer take is, is not nice. And, you know, if um, Sean wants to come back with 
garbage man smack he could, but I wouldn't advise it to a guy who's got an arm wrestling table in his uh, in his garage. I wouldn't bet against either. How's that for being absolutely uh, a waffling uh, fence sitter? Well, I think there are two certainties in this discussion. A, the farmer will beat the radio man in arm wrestling. The garbage man will beat the radio yes. man in, in arm wrestling. And we're we're I mean, Sean, in radio. We're Sean could both be of the <laughs> Sean could be the Nebraska version of Rip, and and he might have a train station for all we know. Uh, more emails coming in, and more of the stream yard. Let's get into some of those here in a little bit. Uh, Steven says Nebraska's physical. That is about right. I like the confident, not cocky. Do you get that feel from Nebraska? Do they see? Do they seem and feel still humble? Because that's important. There, there's things you strive for in college football, and it's hard to attain, like the great programs have and do, and that is to be the same coach and the same team every Saturday. You're going to have some peak performances. You might be off. No one's the same dominant fashion like the mid-'90s Nebraska's, the early 2000s Hurricanes, but Michigan's looked the eye part or the eye test part this year. Georgia's been not what they were a year ago, but they lost a lot. They're still pretty darn good. Uh, you look at Washington and Oregon. They're fast. They're physical. They're talented. Uh, Ohio State, uh, their defense is really uh, the talking point this season. And they've gotten pretty good play out of a young quarterback with some explosive weapons. And their O-line has been an afterthought, but they're, they're, they're getting right there. They're pretty good. I look well, at Nebraska. They're confident. They're, they're dialed in, and I think you've got enough guys, Elijah, in the Ty Robinsons, the, the Rhymers of the world, the Giffords, especially on defense, that I think they are mature. I think they are going to police themselves and, and be locked in for a good performance Saturday. And the question for me is, are they confident as opposed to cocky by choice or by necessity? I, I, think, I think this – teams well it's hard to be cocky whenever your offense is giving the ball away at the rate that they are because i one thing i do see in this team is togetherness between the offense and the defense yeah man they they, they see themselves almost as one unit where it's you know what offense turns the ball over we're gonna go pick them up we're gonna go make a play defensively defense sets up the offense with a short field offense is gonna go convert and go get some points off of that that's kind of been the story this year there is the togetherness between those two units and that's why i think the defense can't afford to be cocky because they kind of see the offense as an extension of themselves and it's hard to be cocky whenever they're one yeah, and it's hard to be cocky whenever part of your unit is consistently that's turning a, the football That's a over. wonderful point, and it is very real. There'll be a lot of defenses, man, that be losing their mind on the offense. Mm-hmm. They've channeled it the right way. They've taken it out on the opposing offense. That they have. <laughs> and and they, uh, they get to get even with the guys putting the ball on the ground Monday through Thursday in practice. So... No, it's it's a healthy mentality. So, Before we get out of here, good. this segment, some sad news to report. As a longtime coach at Indiana, legendary member of the NCAA basketball fraternity, Bob Knight passed away today. Did he really? Mm-hmm. 83 years old, Bob Knight. Okay, wow. Bob Knight, dead at 83. Man, I thank you for that that update. It's sad news to hear. I know Bob had... Coach Knight, the general's health had been declining in years. Uh, I will never forget 
being able to go cover the Nebraska-Texas Tech game when Bobby Knight found his way to Bob Devaney Sports Center when he was coaching Texas Tech, and he wore that red Adidas sweater, and he walked and stared down the student section because they had showed up in hunting gear. Well, Bob had accidentally shot his hunting partner on a hunting trip earlier that year, and Bob Knight thought it was a pretty good gag. So uh, rest in peace, Coach Bob Knight. A jock doc's on the way. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Cornhead Logger. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, off to East Lansing tomorrow, as we'll be at, at Reno's East tomorrow, as a live show, 4 to 6 Central, then at the Graduate on Friday, Spartan Stadium on Saturday, as Nebraska goes for win number six. We'll have. Uh, some thoughts here, more thoughts here in a little bit on Bob Knight passing away. We welcome in Dr. Brandon Seifert with Nebraska Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. Dr. Brandon, another high-end Pro Bowl-level quarterback that has gone down due to an Achilles tendon injury. Now it's Kirk Cousins. And Captain Kirk, Dr. Brandon, was playing great football until uh, he he was dropping back the plant, and, and it popped. I know there's a picture of him having surgery today. Yeah, absolutely. Just a sad story for that poor guy. He was playing great this year, and obviously he's had a lot of kind of struggles along the way, but he's fought back hard. Um, you know, kind of interesting as, as this dovetails into, you know, Aaron Rodgers and what he just went through makes it an interesting conversation about recovery time and, you know, having, you know, a variety of kind of rehab routes that you want to choose. And obviously he's going to have to to make that decision here. Dr. Brandon, let's get into some of the rehab options. But first, you know, what is, is there a jumping off point for a pro athlete when it comes to an Achilles injury? I ask that because I think uh, Charles Barkley, I think of Dan Marino, two of my favorites as a kid watching ball, but they ended their career with an Achilles and uh, tendon injury and never came back. They just said, I'm, I'm done. And uh, away we went, but we've had uh, athletes come back and, and perform at a, at a high level. Why do you think folks have been able to, to come back uh, now versus maybe in yesteryear? Yeah. You know, I think uh, in the, in the past, you know, you wonder about, was it, you know, surgery technique they were doing, you know, potentially, um, you know, I think from a rehab perspective, we just, we know more about it. Um, so I think that definitely has helped. I would say probably the rehab side of things, probably more than anything else has, has made a tremendous difference. Um, obviously no doubt there's some surgical technique and equipment we're using that, you know, has helped as well. Um, you know, the other thing too, is just we, our understanding of, you know, what it looks like to recover from a sports injury now is, is much different than you know, what it was even back when Marino had his. Um, and so there's probably a variety of factors, you know, that have led to that. You know, it's exciting to note that patients now that can have, you know, big injuries like that can actually make it back and play. Um, you know, there's very few injuries nowadays that it's, you know, hard to recover from or make it back to. Obviously, that can be, you know, position dependent too. You know, it depends what type of position in the field or obviously sport as well you're going back to. There's still some some limitations there for certain injuries. 
Dr. Brandon Seifert with us here at Jock Doc Wednesday on Hale Varsity Radio. And Dr. Brandon, it was Vikings doctor Chris Coetzee who specialized in foot and ankle surgery that led the operation on Kirk Cousins. And both he and Kirk Cousins called the operation a success. And I need to get your thoughts on this. What does that actually mean? Is there a difference in success levels between various Achilles surgeries? What does it mean to you that the, the surgery was a success or is that just something that the, the PR team puts out to make Kirk Cousins and Vikings fans feel better? What exactly does a successful Achilles surgery mean? <laughs> there's, there's probably a little bit of a, you know, an encouraging uh, uh, media punchline out there for that, obviously the PR team. Uh, but, you know, honestly, from a you know, successful, just looking at it you know, truthfully from a success standpoint, we've talked about this before with Aaron Rodgers. What you're really looking for is to make sure you got, you got know, really good tissue to be able to heal that. Um, and so we've talked about with uh, uh, some of our Achilles injuries, you know, they really just kind of shred that tendon that's left there. And so it's really hard to kind of sew that back together. There's not great tendon pieces to put back together um, versus if you have some of these that just kind of tear right down the middle and leave you really good kind of tendon ends to suture back together. Um, that can make a big difference there just in terms of the repair quality. So that would be something you describe as a you know, success would be having really good tissue to repair back. Um, obviously, if somebody has you know poor quality tissue, you have to start talking about supplementing that with either a extra suture, or perhaps even utilizing you know another tendon from elsewhere, or even using a cadaver tendon. It doesn't sound like that's the scenario here. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us, Nebraska Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. Kirk Cousins uh, rehabbing shortly after that uh, successful surgery today, and Cousins thirty four going on thirty five. And uh, Minnesota had really gotten off the mat. So is there anything that you think athletes are doing or you're hearing about, Dr. Brandon? Is there some preventative work that athletes can do once they hit a certain age, especially quarterbacks, right, uh, for that Achilles? Is there, are there drills or techniques or exercises guys can do to strengthen their Achilles uh, in, in case – well, they they drop back and the the turf monster gets them. Yeah, you know, I think the the flexibility piece is huge. Um, that's, so that's probably the biggest part of this is making sure you know appropriate warm up, you know, appropriate flexibility, making sure that you have you know that really well developed, balanced kind of muscular strength between what we call kind of front and back compartments. So, for example, making sure your your hamstrings and your quads are kind of you know symmetric, equal in strength. Kind of, kind of goes all the way down. Um, so those things are important. You know, the thing you always worry about is just tendon health in general. You think about where all those tendons attach, you know, onto bony prominences, in particular where the Achilles does, and just the abuse that takes, you know, year after year and all the hard work that you do to be at that level. So it's hard really to change structurally that uh, the tendon attachment areas. But if you're doing the other things on top of that, being flexible, those kind of things make a big difference. It will be interesting to see as time goes along, and I would say that we're not totally here yet, um, what type of biologics we'll be able to use down the road to perhaps maybe you do some type of injection to the area with some kind of biomolecule that can perhaps maybe regenerate some of that deficient tendon or perhaps, you know, damaged tendon can maybe regrow some healthier tendon. There's a lot of research going on in that area. We're obviously not at that point yet where that's working all that well. Uh, but I do think in the future that would be something that would be a possibility. It's Dr. Brandon Seifert with us here at Jock Doc Wednesday. And 
Dr. Brandon, whenever you compare the injuries of Aaron Rodgers and Kirk Cousins, we've seen Aaron Rodgers down on the field pregame, throwing passes, looking closer and closer to being back to his old self as he still hopes for a return this season. As for Kirk Cousins, he's been ruled out the rest of the year. There's no hope of him coming back. How does that change the recovery process for each, and do you feel more hopeful about Cousins given the extra time that he'll have to rehab before next season? Yeah, I, I do at this point, just because we know more of what that rehab pathway looks like. Uh, that longer pathway, you know, given that 10 and plenty of time to heal, taking your time to rebuild that strength back and that balance back is so critical. So having an extra time, it's always key. Uh, you always have to be really careful about some of the kind of what we call rush rehab protocols. Obviously, at some point, you have to test the waters a little bit to see, okay, what is an appropriate aggressive rehab protocol and you're going to find out you know along that pathway how successful is that going to be just based upon are people you know failing the repairs that were done you know are they having a higher re-injury you know rate and that's kind of something unfortunately kind of discover along the way what's hard about those is you know how much do we want to be testing those rehab protocols in somebody like a high-level athlete that obviously has such a high investment value for teams and you know that's what they're doing but unfortunately in a generic population, it's hard to know what you know a rush rehab protocol looks like in a generic population versus what the rush rehab look like in a high-level athlete. And so we don't have all the answers to that yet. So answering your question directly, I think it's better to have a little longer rehab program for him. I think Cousins has a, you know, a better chance to be in a more well-defined pathway. Dr. Brandon, we'll catch up next week. Thanks for the time today. Sounds great, fellas. Take care. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Big thanks to Dr. Brandon Seifert, Nebraska Orthopedic Center, a jock doc. Good stuff from Evan Bland today in the five o'clock hour. Mike Babcock in hour one. Get the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play with Hale Varsity Radio. Subscribe there. It doesn't cost you a thing. Tell a friend. Also, check out the video and the digital portion of the show, the Hale Varsity YouTube channel, or give the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed or, or handle a follow at HVarsity Radio. So, Sean has responded to Todd. Ooh, get the popcorn ready. It's all right. And, and Sean, thanks for listening. Todd, thanks for listening. I seem to have struck a nerve with Todd, and there's a lot I could say, but I think that the high road is the best path, and I'll leave it at that. I think your tour of Nebraska this summer sounds like a great idea. We need to do a a small-town Husker bar tour, or just small-town bar tour. Uh, we'll leave a cooler for you. Sean, I can't wait. And I, I think my vision would be to hit one in all 93 counties, which then would be probably more than an entire summer. So we need to, get, we need to know where in Phelps County, Sean, to go. What bar to go in, in Phelps County? We have to set up a specific email just for this. Sure. Email your recommendations to this email account. We'll try to get one from all 93 counties. If it takes us a summer, if it takes us a year, if it takes us five or years. Or we'll, we'll, we'll set the itinerary for summer bar tour uh, with just those that, that invite us out first. Mm. How's that sound? We'll, we'll, and an aside... We need to play your small town golf course too. <laughs> Please, <laughs> thank you. Can we do that? No, this would be great. My um, favorite small town bar I've been to, and this was just as a kid growing up. 
It's way. It's western Nebraska. It's it's just east of McCook. It's in Indianola, Nebraska. Yeah. It's called the Rocket Inn. Love it. They had the Star Wars arcade game when no one else had the Star Wars arcade game. Legendary pizza. Sorry, free shout out Wednesday apparently, but it's kind of like nine hundred. Used to be nine hundred. And it's just it's just great memories as a kid going out to see my grandparents. It's still open out in Indianola. It is, yeah. Yeah. And they put sauerkraut on the pizza and they bring these little sauerkraut on the pizza. It's back a notch. No, it's it's awesome. It's your choice to do it. Okay. But that's where I learned to put sauerkraut on the pizza, because occasionally it's a great call. And they put toothpicks in the way they cut the pizza. It wasn't Detroit style, it wasn't New York style, it was just it's Western, style. It's Western Nebraska style and you had them all sorts of thin sliced, and it was glorious. And it was like a scene from a, a forgotten era where you walk in, someone's hammering a, an old Milwaukee bottle. You walk through the, uh, the, it's like an old saloon door where the doors flap one way or the other. And uh, then you go sit down at a table. You shake mom and dad down for 10 bucks in quarters. You go jump on the uh, Return of the Jedi arcade game, and everyone has a good old time. Uh, so, uh, Eat Beef says Green Diamond, St. James, Nebraska. All right, we got to put a list together. This will happen. This will absolutely happen. The great summer small-town Nebraska bar tour of 2023. we got to kidnap our old boy, uh, Brady Oltmans, for this roadie, too. All right, we'll be back at you from East Lansing, Reno's East, tomorrow at 4. Thanks. A Huda Media Production.